Hello, Live Church. Welcome. Happy New Year. And we press on. I was, um, uh, for those of you watching as well, we want to welcome you for streaming the service today. If you're a guest, we have a Connect card sitting by you on purpose. Simply fill it out, bring it to Guest Central. You get a nifty uh, gift bag and we get information about you. So uh, if you're streaming, you can go to our website and um, there's a link filling in the blanks and we'll get in touch with you. So uh, I don't know about you, but I was wondering who chopped down the tree. Anybody have an idea? Idea. If you do, uh, we don't have a security camera in here, so we don't know who did it, but um, we have a missing tree. It's not good. And I see some of you, it doesn't bother you at all. That's too bad. That's really too bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things. If you notice in your newsletter, those of you that are here, and if you're streaming, you can pull it up on the uh, Live Church. Uh, web page or the Facebook page. Um, uh, last week we paid off the church mortgage, and and that was a cool thing. So what's that? I thought it was going to be a couple more years. That's great. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you can see in Psalm 36, 5, your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the cloud. So, um, you know, if this was in the summertime, what we would do, uh, we'd plan on having an ice cream truck out in the parking lot and celebrate that way. But in the winter, it's a little more challenging. So we'll come up with something. You'll all appreciate it. And um you, you can celebrate with the Lord's faithfulness. We sang about that a few moments ago. Um, yeah. Just a couple things as well. You may be uh, on a journey spiritually. You're searching for God. Maybe you've had a relationship with the Lord and you've put it on pause and you've kind of walked away. Um, but in, in the foyer, and you'll hear us mention this over time, that if you put your faith in Christ... Uh, we have some resources. Uh, Andy Stanley's got a book here, How Good is Good Enough. So a lot of people, and uh, I'll mention this more later on, they think, uh, you know, they put their life in a balance, good versus bad. If there's more good, God will let them into heaven. Good has nothing to do with it. it has nothing to do with it. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross, uh, paying for our sin debt in full. And Andy does a great job explaining that. Also, the invitation if you've got questions about uh, faith in Christ, um, Rick Warren answers those questions in a very practical way, relevant way. It's about a 30-minute uh, deal. There's music, there's talking back and forth, and uh, it'll point your, your way to, the, um, to Christ. We feel at Life Church the most important decision that anybody can ever make is that you put your faith in Jesus. That way you have a relationship with him while you're living on earth, and then you get to live with him forever in heaven. And heaven uh, is going to be an incredible place. Uh, it, it will. 
um, God of all creation. You look at what he's created and heaven's even going to be greater than that. So, um, yeah, that relationship with the Lord, that's what we endeavor to do. And when we put our faith in Christ, we endeavor to grow in our walk with the Lord. And that's what um, uh, Transformed is all about, too. I have to tell you that uh, the last few days, just kind of looking deep within my core, um, you know, allowing the Lord to point out anything in my life, things in my life uh, that I need to change to have him work on, give him permission. Um, it's a great opportunity. And, and these four <laughs> nights of transformed, uh, they're intentional. We are intentionally pulling away from things we normally do and we come together and uh, we worship the Lord and we talk to him and allow him to talk back to us. To me, that's a great investment for an entire year. Um, and friends, I, I don't need to, to go into it. You, you know what 2020 was about. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming into 2021 as well. Um, our world, quite honestly, is crumbling right before our eyes. And I'm not saying that as a doom and gloom. I, I'm optimistic. Always optimistic because as a follower of Christ, Christ lives in us. And we get to carry his light wherever we go, no matter what's going on in the world. It's a great time to be alive. And so uh, God is doing great things. So we, we, uh, we want to link up with him and allow him to do that, uh, that good work that he has planned for us. So three weeks ago, we, uh, we piggybacked on Joshua 3. Remember, we're at the Jordan River. And uh, three weeks ago, so there's been a lot going on in between. Uh, we're still at the river, right? And um, Dave Ogren called me yesterday afternoon. We talked for a while. We prayed on the phone. Um, he's in Iowa today speaking. And um, so he asked me what I was talking about today. And I told him Joshua 3. I said, we, we, we didn't finish that. And... <laughs> We're, we're still on the wrong side of the river. And so today we're going to go to the right side of the river. And I know, I know you're excited. So you're wondering what in the world, my, uh, some, what in the world is all this stuff? Uh, it's there on purpose. Um, I'm not going on vacation today. I'm not leaving anywhere, but, um, um, going into a new, a new year, I was thinking like many of us bring stuff with us, whether we want to or not. We get into ruts, routines, and it may start out small. We have a little backpack here. We just throw it in and we figure, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to carry it with me. It's no big deal. But year after year, if we never allow the Lord to work in our lives and to eliminate those things that hold us back, those things that um, disconnect us in our relationship with the Lord. We just keep, you know, uh, life-controlling habits, um, um, strongholds that we allow the enemy to, to use in our life. We just, we just pretend we become comfortable with it, we throw it in the bag, and we go on to the new year. Suddenly, we look at the end of a year, and here 
we're still dealing with the same stuff. And now we're in a brand new year. I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again that's preventing me from taking that next step with the Lord. I want to get rid of it. I want to deal with it. And unfortunately, what happens is this backpack gets so big that we need to get a bigger suitcase. Now, this suitcase is empty on purpose because this is a heavy suitcase empty. And a lot of people, when they throw things in year after year, this thing gets big and heavy. You know, it's bulging on the sides. And that's why they got these nifty wheeler dealer things on the bottom. So it makes life easier for you. You can bring your garbage with you every year and just haul it on the wheels, you know, and then you get comfortable with it instead of putting it on the table and saying, Lord, I'm tired of hauling all this stuff. I need your help. And when we recognize how much the Lord loves us, man, we want to do that. We want him to work in our lives, to give him permission to do that very thing. So we're going to go back in time right now. Um, Ezekiel. Uh, do you have another week? Or is this your last week? Next week. Next week. So you'll be here Sunday? Okay. Um, his family, they're moving, relocating. Uh, Ezekiel's in the military and they re relocate people. And so we're we're sad that he's leaving uh, his family, but uh, we'll talk more about that next week. So where was I? <laughs> We're going to go back in time, um, back to the year 2000, to the Summer Olympics. Some of you remember, yeah, man, I remember seeing that on TV, and specifically uh, Laura Wilkinson, who... Um, won an incredible gold medal in the 10-meter platform diving event. I, I, can, I can still remember watching that, man, because that stuff makes me really nervous. Yeah. You know, like the skiers, the skaters, the divers. It's like, <gasps> I can't watch it. <laughs> you know, you look away and what are they going to do? Well, before the Olympics, Laura... Broke three bones in her right foot. And you would say, man, that for sure would eliminate her. She lost months of training. And she was a long shot to medal at all. And it was usually the Chinese divers, of course, that dominated those events. And so with only three dives left, she was in fifth place. It looked hopeless. But her next dives were literally perfect. And she became the first American to win the gold in that event in over 36 years. Man, do you remember that? That was so cool. But even more cool than Laura's gold medal is when she was interviewed after winning the event on international television. And this is what she said. The whole time I knew it was virtually impossible for me to win but I remember that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, that's Philippians 4.13, by the way. That's always been a favorite verse of mine, but this time it really meant something. She concluded it became real. I really was trying to do something that I can't do, but God was 
with me. Isn't that great? And maybe this morning, you know, in, in a natural, Laura said, I couldn't do this. I needed the Lord's help to uh, perfect those dives, to ultimately win that gold medal. Maybe you're facing something right now that you can't do in a natural. And can I just tell you that that's a good thing? There's a lot of things in life that we can't do naturally. And that's where we need to lean into the Lord and where Laura said that she was able to do these things, not in her own strength, but through the strength of the Lord living through her. So it's not about what I can do, we can do. It's about what Christ can do. And I want to I want to transfer that uh, to 2021, because maybe you're 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 looking at your life, your habits, your addictions, your pain, your bitterness, your anger that you've hauled with you for so long and you think, I cannot let it go. It's become so embedded in me. I can't let it go. I can't. Well, just like Laura Wilkinson on that diving platform this morning, we can say before the Lord, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this in my own strength, but I know that you have the power to change me. And I'm relying on you. And so a couple days ago, I was reading in, in uh, Philippians 2. And a verse jumped out. Philippians 2.13. It said, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Amen. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great news? It's not, it's not me trying to work harder, you know, to get all revved up, to get the gospel goosebumps. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, it is God that's working in me. And honestly, all I can say is, oh, God is working in me. Holy smoke. That's, that's like shouting material right there, which we did just show. <laughs> but when you th we think about, man, God, I, you know, we, it's not me, Lord. It's you working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases you. It's you, Lord. All we have to do is allow him to do that. To give up, to surrender, to say, Lord, I give you the freedom to have your way in my life. And he's going to do it. And so let's go to Joshua 3. Verse 1, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. And since you have never traveled this way before, friends, we have never traveled in a 2021 before. This is all new for us, isn't it? 
We're traveling new ground. And this ground will never get back again. And so we need to take full advantage of being led by the Lord and allowing him to live through us to make a difference. And so they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark and make sure you don't come any closer. And Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. Let's go down to verse 14. So the people left their camp across the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Now, when we talk about all the people, it's not a 50 people, 100 people. No, it's 2 million people. It's a lot of people. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as, they, as the people passed by, and they waited there until... The whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And Lord, we thank you that you turn rivers into highways. And there's people here today, Lord, that are facing maybe impossible situations in their they're facing them. They're looking at it. Day after day, they've been looking at it, and it doesn't seem to change. And so, just like this nation looking at a flooded Jordan River, the impossibility of crossing, Lord, you are always working. And you are involved in the details of our lives. And I pray for those folks today that need a reminder the encouragement uh, to know, Lord, that you will open up a way that we can cross on dry ground. Not only that, Lord, but as Joshua said, we need to purify ourselves. We need to eliminate sin in our lives that we've allowed to become embedded within us. Um, so help us do that today by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're camped, well, we all are. We're all camped on the wrong side of the Jordan River right now. There's people that have crossed over to the west side of the Jordan, to the promised land. And each one of us gets to decide what we're going to do. You know, we've maybe, maybe we've had family go before us. Christmas Day, we had our family at our house, and um, we do a variety of things. We sing a Christmas carol, we prayed, we uh, read the Christmas story, we prayed, we, and then something different this year. I got a Christmas card from my aunt and uncle 
who live uh, in North Carolina. And I basically presented our, the legacy of our family. And this particular aunt and uncle, he's 90, uh, his wife is 89, and he's my mom's brother. And he was the youngest of the four and uh, grew up in the church and, and hung around the pastor's son. The pastor's son was basically agnostic that influenced my uncle. He chilled spiritually for decades. And, and now the, the, the Christmas card that we got this year, it, it, it resonated with me because it had a Christmas message, the true Christmas message about Jesus being the Savior of the world. And there's been something going on in my uncle. I've seen it. Where he's returned to his faith. You know, it's becoming real. Why? Why? Well, I think one, all of us are dying in this room right now. We're all dying. We have an appointment with death. It's appointed for a man once to die and then face judgment. We will all stand before God and give an account of our life. So, so presenting that to our family... Um, I just wanted to encourage all of us. The most important thing we can do is to live for the Lord. Not go through motions, not go through, you know, routine. I'm in church and, uh, yeah, I have a Bible at home. But are we engaged, you know, in that relationship? Are we growing? Are we thriving? Because three, four weeks ago, we brought up how there was a study done in uh, a thousand different churches. And the question was, uh, how many of you would describe your, your days as a follower of Christ victorious and growing? And only 11%, remember, 11%, just over one out of 10 Followers of Christ said that they experience victory and they are growing in their faith in Christ. And I would, I would um, encourage all of us at Life Church and those watching online, hey man, if you're part of that 89% where you're just kind of, you know, mm, whatever happens, happens. And if I'm drifting, I'm drifting. And there's no, there is no root system in my relationship with the Lord. It's time to do something about that. That's what we're talking about today. Again, what is it that disconnects you and your relationship with the Lord? There's a trigger in every single one of us. If we succumb to that temptation, we disconnect with the Lord. We feel guilty. We feel shame. We have some folks even driving down Brandywine Trail this morning. You were that little voice in the back of your head said, you can't worship the Lord today because remember on Friday what you did or what you thought or what you said? Those flashes in front of us. Very, very intentional by the enemy to paralyze you and I. That's why we need to deal with that stuff. So there's nothing holding on to us. Nothing going in the suitcase. In Romans 8.37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I love that. Victory. 
That's what God wants for you and for me. So, um, C.S. Lewis, I don't know how you feel about 2021. If you're fired up over it, if you're excited, if you're embracing God, what do you have for me? C.S. Lewis put it this way, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. C.S. Lewis recognized what can happen in a, in a Christian's life so subtly, you know. Little by little, we just drift farther away from God. And so I want to encourage us today what 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Today is the day of salvation. Don't procrastinate any longer. Don't delay. Deal with it today. If you, if you have not put your faith in Christ, today is the day of salvation. So number one in your notes, confronting my fear. Verse one, all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove. And we, we talked about that, how the Acacia Grove, is, it's a flourishing area. It's a garden area. So nice, so, so relaxing, so peaceful. And it's like, why would God want to move me away from that? Well, um, Joshua and the people moved uh, the 10 miles to the Jordan River, and they couldn't cross because it was at flood stage. Moving closer to your obstacle. In other words, it's time to open the suitcase, get away from the acacia grove, that comfort zone, that comfort level that we've come so accustomed to, Let's get to where the Jordan River is, man, because something cool is about to happen. And we open this thing up and we put those things that are holding us back, the disconnects in our walk with Christ, we put them on the table once and for all. And we say, Lord, you deal with it and help me deal with it, Lord, once and for all. If I've been dealing with bitterness and anger, bring healing into my, into my body, my mind, my spirit. Help me to let it go once and for all, Lord. Get away from the acacia grove. That's what Joshua is saying. Moving to where the obstacle is so you can't, you can't go anywhere. You've got to deal with it. Number two, waiting and watching. And so for three days... The Israelite offers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people, talking about this is, this is what's going to happen. But again, what's interesting is the Lord brings the people of Israel to the Jordan River at flood stage. It's, it's uh, in April. It's harvest season. And what's happening in Mount Hermon to the north of Israel, it has snow up on its Peaks and it's melting now and it's coming down and it's flowing, flooding into the Jordan River. Flood stage. God, why did you have to wait for flood stage? I mean, could, couldn't we wait till the summertime when there's a drought and we could just walk? No, no, God, God waits for there's some turbulence in your life. He uses it to strengthen your core. And we all know we could vote on it right now. Life is not easy. And there are challenges and there is trouble. But God promises to be with us through it all. 
and to see us through to the other side. So how are we going to do it, man? Are we going to build a bridge? You know, is there going to be a bunch of choppers come in, airlift us over to the other side? No, it doesn't going to happen that way. No. Um, and finally, in verse 4b, stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Friends, oh boy, one day when we stand before a holy God, um, here's, here's the thing. I am very much into the love of God. I embrace that fully, but I do not ignore the justice of God. For the last year, I've been listening to a song, Holy is the Lord. And it, it gets a little wild. But it talks about the holiness of the Lord. And I need to remind myself of God is holy. He's holy. Even today, the first Sunday, I, I have to tell you, I feel... walking softly before the Lord. I don't want to grieve him. And so that's what Joshua is saying. Don't get too close. He's holy. The presence of the Lord is holy. And the cool thing is, as a follower of Christ, the new covenant, we can come boldly into the very presence of God. The veil has been torn. We can come into his presence anytime. Three, look in the mirror. Verse five, Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders. And Psalm 139, 23, 24, we've, we've searched me. David said, oh God. Search me. Get into my suitcase. That's what he's saying. I give you permission. Get in there, Lord. Search me. All those secret places that I've built over the years that I think you don't have access to. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out it. Anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's why we're doing Transform 21. That's one reason. Lord, we're on the front end of a new year. We don't know what's going to happen. Iran is beefing up, threatening the United States right now. We're sending aircraft carriers over there, planes over there. We can go on and on how things are heating up around the planet. We don't know what the future holds, but God has me in his hand. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. Malcolm Smith kind of kind of echoes what we read earlier in the Philippians 2. Christianity is not a formula, but the person of Jesus himself. 
Never think that Christianity is a matter of adjusting behavior, but rather of letting Christ live through us in his strength and his power. That's what we need to do. So when we stand in the mirror, don't just shave. Don't just comb your hair. When you stand in the mirror and ask those tough questions, what's going on on the inside of me? Yeah. What areas of my life do I need to bring and give access to the Lord? Let's be transparent with him. And we attack sin. Colossians 3, 5 through 7, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. In other words, annihilate them, destroy them. Don't play with them. Don't flirt with them. And so if I know the triggers and if I know those disconnect points that allow me so easily to become cut off from the Lord, I need to deal with that and build boundaries around my life. Number four, time to go. Now, we said that three weeks ago. Don't go yet. Verse six, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And we know, we know the Acacia Grove is a, an oasis of complacency. It is. You've heard me say this many times, but the, one of the biggest struggles that I have is to become comfortable spiritually, to put it on cruise control. And I have to fight that all the time. I have to deal with that a lot. And those oases of complacency. Ah, I don't need to read my Bible today. You know, I read it yesterday. I read it three weeks ago. It's good. I'm good, you know. Well... We need to be aware of those areas. Priscilla Shire, who the ladies are going to be studying in a few weeks, put it this way. Have you settled for less than the fullness of what God is offering? Have you become, a complete, become complacent with good while best is just around the next bend? Are you unwilling to walk away from some things you've grown accustomed to, things that are apparently more valuable to you than the experience of being intimately related with God on a daily basis? Hourly basis. That's good. That's good. It's time to go. It's time. It's time to deal with this and leave it on the east side of the Jordan River so we can be liberated to walk to the west side. Number five, the Lord is speaking. Verse seven, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. And here it is, verse nine. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen. To what the Lord your God says. That, that's the point here. Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. What, is the, what has the Lord been speaking to you about? Hmm. What, what has 
God's Spirit been speaking to you about? We, we look in this text and we realize that there's four priests that carry the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. But when Jesus went to the cross and the veil was torn, he has now made the body of Christ, followers of Christ, the priests. We get to carry him wherever we go. First Peter 2.9, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Revelation 1.6, he has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. What's that about? That means I don't have to let my grandma, my mom, carry the Ark of the Covenant for me. I get to carry the very presence of God within me. I can embrace it. I can invite Christ to come into my life, the very presence of God. Because we are all, as followers of Christ, kingdom of priests. We get to carry the ark. Pretty cool, huh? You had all these bystanders, two billion Jews on the sidelines waiting for the four priests to carry the ark. Friend, you and I can become engaged in carrying the presence of God wherever we go. What a privilege that is. What an opportunity that is. I don't have to let somebody else do it for me. I can become involved in that personal relationship. And that is very, very cool. So we see Joshua is telling the people, listen to, the, to God's voice. He's putting worth and value. We've got so many things, voices and sounds coming at us throughout our days. But transformed when we become intentional about quieting ourselves. We need to recognize God's word. And so, um, in the foyer, we have Bible reading plans available for you. Here's a Bible recap, 2021. We have a book at a time Bible reading plan. We have, you read... um, a couple Old Testament and a Psalm or Proverb a day and a chapter in New Testament, that plan, or five by five by five, five days a week. Uh, what you want to do is find one plan that works for you and allow it to become a habit. Bible reading plans. Um, my, my life was really a, a spiritual roller coaster before I started reading the Bible consistently. I had peaks, I had valleys, I crashed and burned. What brought consistency in my life as a follower of Christ was reading the Bible consistently. Yeah. If, if, if that's a secret for you, uh, if you've, you know, started plans in the past, let it, let it go. You went to the oasis of complacency, let it drift. I'm telling you, on a daily basis, boom, I have a Bible reading plan. I need it. I need that routine. 
in my life. And so <clears throat> Paul, Paul um, Batura put it this way, a Bible on a shelf untouched does nothing. An opened Bible that you read can be a priceless treasure that changes your life. The Bible is the best-selling book in world history with an estimated 5 billion to 6 billion printed in more than 700 languages. But how many Bibles are actually opened and read? And how many just gather dust on bookshelves, their contents hidden from us? Well, a Bible on a shelf untouched does nothing. An open Bible that you read can be a priceless treasure that changes your life. John Wesley, the 18th century cleric and evangelist, once said, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has come to teach the way for this very end. He came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. I have it. Here is the knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. Is that good? I want to be a man of one book in the Bible. Um, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. That's what I found to be true. I'm reading Genesis right now, man. <laughs> Creation, the garden, Adam and Eve, the blame game. Just good reminders, man. You know how easy it is to blame and God comes looking. He comes looking for us because of his great love. And so I want to encourage you, man, pick up a Bible reading plan today. Get into the Bible and allow it to change your life. Yeah. Number six, goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye to my ruts. Just a, just a heads up on that. Um, when we cross the Jordan River to, to the west side, guess what happens when we cross? The river comes back in full force, which means we can't get back. We can't go back. Because, and it reminds me of the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That's just a good image, I think. Um, we're, we're facing an impossible crossing. God opens it for us to, to bring us into that, that ground we've never been on before and a relationship with him. And then the river flows back to overflowing to prevent us from going back to the old ways. Don't let that happen. And so we say goodbye to my rut. So the people left their camp, verse 14, to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Do you know what a great distance is? It's 20 miles. Adam, when they, the, the nation of Israel was crossing right across from Jericho, the city of Jericho, the walled city. 20, 20 miles upstream, 
you know, so you've got Mount Hermon and then everything's flowing down. And they're about right here, so it's flowing down. Guess what God does? He puts the brakes on the water whoop, 20 miles upstream. Where does that bring us? That means we're over in Dodgeville right now. God's down in Dodgeville. He's backing up the water. We're still at the Jordan River. We don't see anything going on. God's already working. We don't see it working, but he's backing it up 20 miles downstream, upstream. What has to happen? The four priests. And so use your imagination. The two dudes in the front, they're in the water first, right? And they take another step because they got to make room for the guys behind them, which means the guys in the front, oh, oh, we're going to drown. <gasps> Shall we go in? I don't see any water going away. You know what? Is this thing really going to work? And George in the back row says, get going, Jim. I need to get my toes wet. It takes all four of the priests with the Ark of the Covenant to get wet. Which allows the Lord to start backing up the water 20 miles away. And as these priests are in the water, it starts to go down. To finally, it's dry. It doesn't take a week to dry out. God dries it, boom, immediately. And they walk on dry ground. Uh, that's the best we could find. The cameras weren't working that day. Um, that's an artist's rendering. But these are the 12 leaders that went to get memorial stones out of the bottom of the Jordan River as a reminder of what God did that day. But you kind of get that. There's the, the ark. Just, it's just incredible to, to see what the Lord has done. I came across um, um, Snake Road. Anybody been on Snake Road lately? Um, what's, what's that about? Um, I read this and I thought, oh, that's creepy. Um, but, you know, rattlers, copperheads, cotton mouse. Snake Road is closed uh, in the fall and the spring for migration for about two months. The reptiles of Shawnee National Forest and Wolf Lake, Illinois, migrate between the LaRue Swamp and the nearby limestone bluffs across the gravel trail known as Snake Road. And the Forest Service closes a portion of Snake Road biannually to make sure these critters can safely cross. In fact, this happening attracts people from all across the world. I've never been there. I never got an invitation to go there. Did you? No, but people from all around the world, I feel left out. Honestly, I want to go. I don't like these guys. And so what they do, man, they, the Forest Service says, we're crossing, man. These reptiles are going to cross. 
And they give them permission to cross from one side of the road to the other, and they keep cars from driving so they don't have any fatalities with the reptiles. Friends, the nation of Israel, two million people, crossed the Jordan River with no casualties because the Lord promised to bring them across safely. And we see that the people crossed near the town of Jericho um, and the whole nation crossed on dry ground. So how's it going to, how is it for 2021? You going to keep hauling the suitcase behind you? Huh? Maybe you've got a backpack. How's that working out for you? It's time to deal with those things as we cross to that ground we've never gone before without our suitcases, without our backpacks. Last Tuesday, Bo and I were having breakfast in a restaurant out of town, another small country town, and eating and table over a group of elderly men, and they were hooping and hollering. And as time went on, they started leaving, leaving two, two men. And Bo and I, there were two men. And so, so they turned facing us and they started, hey, how you guys doing, blah, blah, you know. I'm 86 years old. The other dude's going to be 80. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? We're talking about eternity. We, we took the opportunity to present the gospel to these men. They have faithfully attended a denominational church their entire lives, but they're coming up empty because they're, they were asking questions. Is there a heaven? Is there life after death? What was interesting was the 86-year-old man who had a walker, every time we started to make a point uh, with the gospel, he changed the subject on us. The guy over here, the 80-year-old, he wanted to hear more. And so it was interesting how it was like a tennis match. Here's a guy, 86 years old. He's, the, he's, the, he's down to four. There's only four surviving members of his graduating class in high school. And yet he's pushing back on his soul. Changing the subject. And as time went on, we were there for about an hour talking with these two men. This 80-year-old looked at the 80s. What do you think, he said? What do you, what do you think about this? In other words, putting your faith in Christ. He was ready, but this guy talked him out of it. And I could tell you it's, it, it's messed with me all week because it simply says there is a spiritual battle Raging for your soul. It's as simple as that. 
Satan does not want you to deal with that stuff in the suitcase. He wants you to keep carrying it. Keep plodding along. Trying harder. Staying disconnected with the Lord. Joshua said in Joshua 24, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Serve the Lord, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. In other words, you have to decide. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is basically telling them, hey, dudes, it's time to get off the fence. It's time to get off the oasis of complacency. It's time to cross the Jordan River. You need to make up your mind. That's what, that's what Joshua is doing. He's pushing the envelope. He's saying, you have to decide. Nobody else can do that for you. That 80-year-old man, hopefully, prayerfully, when he was alone, he put his faith in Christ. He called on the Lord's name. And friends, one of the main reasons you and I are alive right now as a follower of Jesus is to tell others about him. I don't care how dark the world goes. Your job description, my mission in life is to tell others about him. Yeah. Because this 86-year-old man, will face eternity one day. That's why you have to decide. And I want to encourage you to decide today, right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, words of encouragement. And uh, Lord, we're on the front end of a brand new year, and it's, it's unknown. We've never been here before, and that's why it's important that we spend time with you and lean on you, embrace you, Lord, because that's really what matters most. And today, Lord, we pray for those that maybe have uh, camped out on the oasis of complacency for a while. And on this front, front end of a year, it's time to move on across that Jordan River. I pray that you will help those folks to decide. And for those that are mm, struggling right now, discouraged, maybe feeling hopeless. Lord, I pray that you will remind them that you were working 20 miles uphill and they didn't even see it. Lord, you're working in their situation. You are the God of the impossible. And for those, Lord, that maybe need to make a decision today, they've never put their faith in Christ, I pray today will be the day to say, Jesus, you died for me. You paid for my sin, debt, and fall. I believe you did that for me, and I'm putting all my trust in you. And this morning, Lord, I invite you to come into my life, to become my Savior, my leader spiritually. 
And by the power of your spirit, I will live for you all the days of my life. You're simply inviting Christ to come in so that relationship can begin. Not only for today, but through all eternity. But before we go, what's one thing, the one thing in this suitcase that's causing you to be disconnected from the Lord? The Holy Spirit wants to deal with that this morning. He does. He wants to deal with it. Will you deal with it? Will you put it on the table? Yes, I will, Lord. And so as we sing this chorus, come to the altar. You can build an altar right where you're at. And you can tell the Lord exactly what needs to happen in your life. And he'll be there. Amen.